normally this tall. Um, uh, uh, thank you all very much for coming. Um, as you know, our, our speaker had to adjust her schedule because of the developments in Northeast Asia, which are troubling and which required her attention in Tokyo. And the fact that we had to, um, at the last minute, adjust the schedule, but still had such a full turnout is a real um, testament to how important um, our alliance with Japan is and how much we in the U.S. need it right now. Um, and it is a great honor for us to have back at CSIS um, uh, uh, the speaker today, um, Tomomi Inada. Inada-san was here a year ago speaking about much broader issues of society and economics in her role as chair of the Policy Research Council in the Liberal Democratic Party, where she had responsibility for everything. Um, I met with um, uh, uh, Mrs. Inada in her office just a few days before uh, it was announced that she would be um, the uh, Minister of Defense in the um, reshuffle of the third Abe cabinet. And I think it was maybe a surprise, but, um, but she brings to this job enormous expertise um, and skill uh, given her previous position as the head of the party's policy um, uh, organization, which is responsible for moving forward legislation and policy on everything. Um, Minister Inada um, was um, announced as the Minister of Defense in August of this year. Um, in December 2014, she was elected to her fourth term as a member of the House of Representatives. Um, she uh, has had many, many jobs. She's trained as an attorney, um, which as you know in Japan is uh, 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 no small thing to pass the bar exam. Um, she's had um, responsibility for everything from um, uh, women's empowerment to um, uh, rethinking uh, the rights of LGTB in Japan to economic policy. And, uh, and now she's bringing all that experience and serving as Japan's defense minister. Um, uh, I'll invite um, Minister Inada to the stage to make some remarks, and then we'll sit down with an interpreter here, have a brief dialogue, and open it to your questions. But uh, please join me now uh, in welcoming Tomomi Inada, Minister of Defense from Japan. Thank you very much, Dr. Green, for your kind introduction. And thank you all for gathering here today. I spoke from this podium in September 2015 as the chair of the Policy Affairs Research Council of the Liberal Democratic Party of Japan. It is a distinct honor and great pleasure to speak again at CSIS today. I am delighted to see many familiar faces in this audience today who I would imagine did not expect me to come back to this podium in less than a year as Japan's defense minister. If you are lamenting your lack of foresight, let me reassure you, I myself at that time did not know that this would happen. I must also tell you so that 
I was always prepared to take on this job. Today, I'd like to talk about the Japan-US alliance and the Asia-Pacific region, the chief operating backdrop of the alliance. For over a century, the Japan-US alliance has served the st strategic interests of the United States and Japan, two sharing nations of the Asia-Pacific and the world's largest and the third largest economies. Equally important is the fact that this is an alliance based on the shared values of two liberal democracies. Japan and the United States both share and uphold such universal values as democracy, freedom, the rule of law, and respect for human rights. Still to this day, liberal democratic values are facing various challenges in many parts of the world. The vitality of our values-based alliance continues to matter. Throughout my political career, I have always been and always will be a staunch advocate of the Japan-US alliance. I thank all the people on the US side who work for the alliance. And I am particularly grateful to all the men and women of the US forces stationed in Japan, both uniform and civilian, as well as their family members. I salute their dedication to the defense of Japan and to the peace and stability of the region. Japan-U.S. security cooperation encompasses a wide range of activities, such as policy consultations, bilateral mission planning, joint training and exercises, intelligence cooperation, joint research and development, and various day-to-day -day activities of Japan's self-defense forces and the U.S. armed forces. Over the years, the scope of such security cooperation has steadily broadened and deepened. Building on these achievements, the Japan-U.S. alliance in the past few years has made further strides. In April 2015, defense and foreign ministers of the two countries approved the new Japan-U.S. defense cooperation guidelines. The 2015 guidelines replaced the previous guidelines, which were adopted in 1997. Like the 1997 defense guidelines, the 2015 defense guidelines serve as a capstone document for bilateral cooperation by providing a general framework and guidance in two areas. First, what roles the two countries play and what missions they fulfill in various situations. And second, how the two countries should engage in policy and operational coordination. Let me briefly discuss some key characteristics of the 2015 guidelines. First, reflecting the expanding scope of alliance cooperation 
as well as persistent and emerging security threats. The new defense guidelines cover a whole spectrum of situations from steady state to gray zones to various contingencies, including large-scale disasters in Japan, as well as armed attacks against the country other than Japan. Second, the 2015 defense guidelines emphasize the importance of the two countries acting seamlessly across the whole spectrum of security situations that may require an alliance response. To ensure such a seamless alliance response, the 2015 defense guidelines, for example, call for establishing a standing policy and operational coordination body called the Alliance Coordination Mechanism, or ACM. The ACM provides both for military-to-military -military operational coordination and government-to-government -government policy coordination between the two governments. Because the ACM is a standing mechanism, it can be activated whenever need arises. The 1997 guidelines had a similar coordination mechanism, but its utility was limited because the mechanism could be activated only in response to an armed attack against Japan and a certain type of regional contingency. Third, the 2015 defense guidelines outlined bilateral security cooperation in emerging strategic domains such as space and cyberspace. The 2015 defense guidelines also emphasize the global nature of the alliance. They specify various activities that contribute, contribute to regional and global peace and stability, such as maritime security, international humanitarian assistance and disaster relief, and partner capacity building. By, operational, by operationalizing the new defense guidelines, Japan and the United States are well positioned to elevate the alliance to a whole new level. In fact, this operationalization is already happening. For example, the newly established alliance coordination mechanism which I spoke about earlier, was fully leveraged when the two countries dealt with a series of North Korean ballistic missile launches, as well as the Kumamoto earthquake, in response to which U.S. forces provided airlift support to the Japanese government's relief efforts. On this U.S. support, let me say that the selfless generous relief assistance by U.S. forces spoke volumes to the Japanese public about the importance of the alliance. We will continue to leverage the ACM as we deal with a wide range of security developments. Based on the new guidelines, we also established a bilateral planning body, which is called the Bilateral Planning Mechanism, or BPM. The BPM is the focal point of bilateral mission planning efforts 
to best prepare the two countries for various contingencies. The work under the BPM is already, already underway, building upon the achievements of years of bilateral planning efforts under the 1997 guidelines. On Japan's domestic front, in March this year, the Abe administration enacted the legislation for peace and security. It was a landmark legislative undertaking that significantly expanded the SDF's mission portfolio and its ability to execute those missions. The legislative package encompasses, among other things, limited exercise of the right of collective self-defense, the SDF's protection of U.S. forces assets in a situation that does not amount to an armed attack against Japan, and also new missions in the realm of international peace activities, such as UN peacekeeping operations. The Special Secrets Act of 2013 is also an important legislative initiative in the context of our alliance. The act has introduced a robust government-wide information security regime by ensuring improving, improved protection of classified information throughout the Japanese government, the Special Secrets Act serves uh, to further promote information sharing between the national security authorities of Japan and the United States. I like to underscore that it was the administration of Prime Minister Abe that forged ahead with these legislative initiatives, all of which required a significant amount of political capital. Together with the new defense guidelines, Japan's recent legislative measures go a long way to further upgrading the SDF's ability to work with U.S. forces seamlessly in dealing with the whole spectrum of security situations. The Japan-U.S. alliance is a long-standing, successful institution. I have already believed that creativity and tradition must go hand in hand, and any successful and enduring institution is capable of transforming itself while at the same time preserving its core traditions. To make sure that the Japan-U.S. alliance will remain successful well into the future, I will walk toward the creative evolution of our alliance with built upon its fine traditions. Now, I'd like to turn and talk about the Asia-Pacific challenges we face in the region and how we are trying to address them. The Asia-Pacific is a place of great opportunities. The region is increasingly becoming the world's economic powerhouse. The 21 member economies of the Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation, or APEC, account for about 60% of global economic output and 50% of global trade. 
The Asia Pacific is home to the world's fastest growing economies with a burgeoning middle class consumer base. The Asia Pacific is expected to remain a vibrant region where culturally diverse actors cooperate to promote prosperity. On the other hand, security challenges abound in the Asia Pacific. Let me discuss some of those challenges and how we are addressing them. First, North Korea presents serious security threats as it continues to actively advance its nuclear and missile programs. In the year, 2015, in the year 2016 alone, the world witnessed two nuclear tests and scores of ballistic missile launches. Earlier this month, three ballistic missiles launched by North Korea fell into Japan's exclusive economic zone. In recent years, North Korea's road mobile ballistic missile forces have increasingly demonstrated their ability to mount an attack at the place and time of their choosing. North Korea's ballistic missile forces are now poised to include an undersea component. Last month, North Korea fired a submarine-launched ballistic missile, which likely yielded some technological gain if and when it achieved operational status. North Korea's SLBM system will bring improved survivability and a new mode of attack to its already formidable ballistic missile forces. To address the security threats North Korea poses, Japan has worked closely with the United States to strengthen multi-layer ballistic missile defense systems. Along with bilateral efforts, trilateral cooperation among Japan, the United States, and the Republic of Korea is increasingly important in addressing our common threats. In 2014, defense ministries of the three countries concluded the trilateral information sharing arrangement. This arrangement, also called the TISA, aimed at facilitating trilateral exchange of classified information related to North Korea's nuclear and missile threats. In June this year, Japan, the United States, and the Republic of Korea conducted the first ever missile warning exercise called Pacific Dragon 2016 in Hawaii. Aegis destroyers of the three countries took part in the exercise, which features live target tracking and information sharing in accordance with the TISA. The three countries in the past have held search and rescue as well as counter-piracy exercises. As a trilateral exercise aimed at addressing North Korea's missile threat, threat Pacific Dragon 2016 was the first of its kind. We will continue to endeavor to expand the horizon of trilateral security cooperation. For Japan, 
deepening bilateral relations with the Republic of Korea is also of great importance. The Republic of Korea is Japan's most important neighbor. The two countries share a range of strategic interests that reach beyond the confines of Northeast Asia. Japan and the Republic of Korea share interests in broader areas such as maritime security, cyber, as well as space. At this very moment, Japan's SDF and the LOC armed forces are both engaged in counter-piracy operations in the Gulf of Aden and peacekeeping operations in South Sudan. I'm convinced that stronger bilateral co cooperation between Japan and the Republic of Korea in the international security arena will serve to promote regional and global peace and stability and be welcomed by the international community. Let me move on to discuss China. China is a country that epitomizes the economic dynamism of the Asia-Pacific. Over the past three decades, China has achieved stunning economic growth. In the course of becoming the world's second largest economy and the major engine of regional as well as global economic growth, China has lifted hundreds of millions of its people out of poverty, which is a remarkable feat in its own right. The Asia-Pacific and the world will stand to benefit from China's continued pursuit of prosperity. It must be remembered, on the other hand, China's economic rise has been made possible by the rules-based international order that has undergone stable interstate relations and provided for the free flow of goods and services among nations. Cooperative attempts to change the facts on the ground and append the prevailing norms do not serve anybody's interest. Unfortunately, what China has been doing recently in the East China Sea and South China Sea is just that. And it is raising serious concern in the Asia Pacific and beyond. In the East China Sea, Chinese maritime law enforcement forces have maintained a sustained presence in the waters surrounding the Senkaku Islands, an inherited part of the territory of Japan. Their incursion into Japanese territorial waters around the Senkakus have become routinized in recent years. Last month, Chinese law enforcement ships intruded into the Japanese territorial waters around the Senkakus along with Chinese fishing boats. This was an unprecedented move. Chinese law enforcement ships subsequently made multiple incursions over many days. In June this year, a surface combatant of the Chinese Navy for the first time entered into the Japanese contiguous zones around the Senkakus. 
these moves clearly represent China's unprovoked escalation in the waters surrounding Japan and its attempt to change the status quo. In November 2013, China announced the East China Sea Air Defense Identification Zone, or ADES. This ADES was declared over large swaths of international airspace over the East China Sea. The Chinese announcement was also made in a way that suggested that the airspace over the Senkaku Islands was a part of China's territorial airspace. According to China's announcement, aircraft flying in China's 80s must abide by the rules devised by China's defense ministry. And if an aircraft does not follow China's instructions, the Chinese armed forces will respond by taking defensive emergency measures. This is a serious infringement upon the freedom of flight in international airspace. The Japanese government swiftly lodged protest against China and demanded that China revoke these measures. Japan remains steadfast in both words and deeds. After China's ages announcement, SDF aircraft have continued to fly in the airspace, air, airspace over the East China Sea to engage in aerial surveillance, patrols, and interceptions, just as they had done before the announcement. I would like to underline my government's resolve to protect our territorial intelligence and sovereignty. To this end, we will continue our own defense efforts and also maintain and enhance the Japan-U.S. alliance. The U.S. government has repeatedly and clearly stated that the Senkaku Islands are under the administration of the Japanese government and fall under the scope of the Japan-U.S. Security Treaty. I am grateful for this U.S. reassurance, which is a critical st strategic message on the alliance behalf. In South, China, in, in South China Sea, China has engaged in large-scale reclamation at multiple mar maritime futures to build man-made islands. On these man-made islands, China is building facilities of military utility, such as runways, hangars, bathing facilities, and radars. The Chinese position against the recent rulings by the Permanent Arbitration Court at The Hague does not correspond with Japan's position, where we respect and uphold the rule of law. These Chinese actions constitute its deliberate attempt to unilaterally change the status quo, achieve a fair accompli, and undermine the prevailing norms. If the world condones coercive attempts to change the rule of the Lord in the East China Sea and the South China Sea, and allow 
rule bending to succeed in their waters and airspace, its consequences could become global, not to be confined in the Western Pacific. In this context, I strongly support the US Navy's freedom of navigation operations, which go a long way to upholding the rule-based international maritime order. Japan, on its part, will increase its engagement in the South China Sea through, for example, Maritime Self-Defense Force Joint Training Cruises with the US Navy, bilateral and multilateral exercises with regional navies, as well as providing capacity building assistance to coastal nations. As my final note on China, I would like to make it clear that hedging against security risks presented by China is but one aspect of Japan's defense and security policy vis-a-vis -vis China. We will continue to engage China to encourage her to act as an agent of stability and prosperity, not their spoiler. My ministry will continue to keep the door open for constructive dialogue with China. As Japanese defense minister, I like to seek opportunities to engage in candid discussions with Chinese counterparts. Last week, Hanzhou China, Prime Minister Abe and President Xi concurred that they would accelerate Japan-China negotiations over the establishment of a maritime and air communication mechanism between the two countries' defense authorities. The purpose of this mechanism is to prevent unexpected collisions and undue escalations at sea and in the air. My ministry is committed to engaging in expedited negotiations with our Chinese counterpart. In addressing security challenges in the Asia Pacific, Japan needs to forge security partnerships with regions like-minded nations. On this theme, ladies and gentlemen, I intended to talk about our relations with Australia and India, but I have to rush to the Pentagon. <laughs> so I skip this part with a heavy heart and move on. Sorry. Skip, 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 skip. Yes. <laughs> In discussing the Asia Pacific, I would be remiss if I did not talk about the U.S. rebalance to Asia. Let me say this upfront: Japan welcomes and supports the U.S. rebalance to Asia. As part of the rebalance to Asia, the United States intends to allocate 60% of its Navy and Air Force assets to the Asia-Pacific region by 2020. In accordance with this policy, the United States has deployed advanced military platforms to the region. 
They include the P8, P8 patrol aircraft and BMD-capable Aegis destroyers. The rebalance policy also manifests in U.S. efforts to bolster existing alliances as well as to enhance partnership with Southeast Asian countries through such means as capacity building assistance in maritime security. U.S. force presence in Asia has long played a critical role in maintaining a stable regional security environment. Given the region's ever-increasing strategic weight for the United States and its growing stake in the stability of the region, even for U.S. interests alone, the rebalance to Asia makes perfect sense. And needless to say, Japan and the whole region stand to benefit from the U.S. rebalance for which I am grateful. Whether or not the Asia-Pacific region can remain peaceful and prosperous is now a matter of global consequence. To that end, all stakeholders must act in accordance with prevailing norms, refrain from pursuit of self-interest and promote mutual trust. In accordance with a policy of proactive contribution to peace based on the principle of international cooperation, Japan will work closely with the United States as well as with partnership in the Asia-Pacific and beyond to actively promote the peace and stability of the Asia-Pacific. In closing, let me quote the great American baseball legend, the Yogi, late Yogi Berra. <laughs> he once quipped, it is difficult to make predictions, especially about the future. <laughs> the future is indeed inherently uncertain, but I am quite certain that the Japan-US alliance will best prepare the two nations for the future. Let me finally say yet again that I am committed to work hard to make the alliance even stronger. Thank you for your attention. Uh, Minister, thank you for a wonderful speech. At the end, I thought you were going to quote the great American baseball <laughs> legend, Ichiro. Um, uh, but it was a very um, important message and a well-constructed speech. Uh, we have the former Australian National Security Advisor in the audience, so maybe in Q&A you can get back to that part. Um, I thought your extended comments on Korea uh, were very important. And uh, I imagine U.S.-Japan-Korea trilateral cooperation will be a major uh, point of discussion when you meet Secretary um, Carter. Um, I want to uh, begin with a question, and we'll open it up. But I wanted to ask first about, uh, about China. Um, you laid out very clearly Japan's principled stance um, uh, and also the hopes for um, the future of uh, relations with China and the opportunities. Um, uh, with uh, China. Um, 
But the reality is that the difficulties in the East China Sea and South China Sea are not going to be resolved while you're defense minister. We're probably looking at five years or more of tension. And reports are that the operational tempo, tempo the, the, the number of ships and flights by the Chinese um, maritime forces, including the PLA, are increasing now in the East and South China Sea. So could you, the operational tempo. Um, so it's a very tense situation. Um, could you tell us more about um, how you think Japan's defense strategy will have to evolve to deal with um, uh, a, a situation in the East China Sea and South China Sea that will be tense and maybe more tense in the coming years. Hmm. 私たちは自分自身の防衛力とそれから日米同盟とそれから関係諸国との関係この you see, the environment uh, in which uh, Japan is placed uh, is, is uh, becoming uh, more and more uh, uh, difficult uh, related to, uh, regarding to the uh, activities that North Korea and China uh, is uh, exercising at a speed uh, that has uh, been unprecedented. Now, I believe that there are three things that we need to combine uh, in order uh, to uh, really establish the rule of law uh, in a global sense. First is to uh, uh, strengthen our own uh, defense capability. Second uh, we is the uh, US and Japan alliance. And thirdly is to have uh, good uh, relations uh, with other neighboring uh, countries. Uh, now, uh, China, of course, they are a uh, big nation. Uh, however, my feeling is that it actually is in their interest uh, to follow the international uh, rule of law. It really is beneficial for China to do so. まあ、日本も安倍政権になってから今3つのポイントを言いましたが、加速はしております。しかし、それで十分なのかどうか、それは常に検証はしていく必要があると思っています。and just as uh, Dr. Green, uh, you mentioned, yes, uh, the speed, the rapidness of uh, how uh, uh, things are moving uh, is something of a concern. Uh, now, um, under the Abe administration in Japan, the uh, three points that I just earlier mentioned, uh, they are uh, rapidly uh, making progress. However, I believe we need to continuously examine whether uh, uh, what we are doing is sufficient or not. 
韓国とはいろんな問題も抱えてきた中で昨年の暮れに合意も成立して非常に前向きに進んでいると思います。やはり韓国との間で共通の価値観を有する国としてまた共通の脅威を感じる国としてしっかり連携をしていかなきゃいけないと思っています。Now, on the other hand,、uh, with South Korea, although we do have, we, we have had、uh, many issues、uh, with them,、uh, however, we were able to reach an agreement, a certain agreement,、uh, late last year,、uh, and we, I believe that we are moving、uh, towards a very positive、uh, direction. Now, South Korea and、uh, Japan, we、uh, share a common value, and we are also facing a common threat.、Uh, so, I believe it is, is quite important、uh, for us to cooperate. また北朝鮮のミサイル核実験の脅威に関しては中国との連携も重要ですしまた東,東シナ海の問題については海空メカニズムをきっちりとすることによって常にこう連絡が取れ合う関係になっているということも非常に重要だと思っています。Uh, now,、um, in the、uh, midst of uh, the uh, series of nuclear testings um, uh, by uh, North Korea,、uh, it is quite important, of course, to have、uh, cooperative relations、uh, with China.、Uh, however, in the、uh, East China Sea, uh, uh, the, I believe that it is important to、uh, continuously have a communication uh, with, uh, with uh, Chinese.、Um, Uh, maritime and uh, air um, uh, authority bodies、uh, to, to, to have a,、uh, a good、um, communication mechanism with them. Thank you. I should open it up. Looking around the room, there are a lot of people who built this alliance or, or report on this alliance and so forth. So we have microphones. If you could raise your hand, I'll call on you. And if you could identify over here in the front.、Uh, Identify yourself briefly and, and questions. Scott Harold from the Rand Corporation, Inada Daijin. Thank you so much for your remarks today. Could you kindly talk about how you plan to encourage jointness in the Japan Self Defense Forces? In the United States, we have had to have 30 years of legal efforts supported by efforts from the Department of Defense to encourage jointness amongst our service branches. The JSDF still struggles with this issue. Could you tell us how you plan to move that forward? Thank you. You're talking about jointness among the Japan Self Defense Forces, or not, not bilaterally necessarily? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Umi Sora. Ah, 今のその複雑な環境の中で陸海空がそれぞれ縦割りではなくてそこに統合的に運用することが大変重要だということで日本でもそういう組織体に変えています私はその今おっしゃった点は非常に重要だと思っています Uh, you see,、uh, yes, it is a, in, within, given this very complex environment,、uh, there is a, a movement towards、um, changing the whole body of, of、uh, self defense force,、um, namely uh, ground, um, maritime, and air.、Uh, now, instead of having each, each of them in a silo 
uh, system, uh, we would uh, we are we are changing it into a more um, unified body, and I believe that uh, that is as a quite important uh, um, movement. Thanks, uh, Chris, right up here. Oh, thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Uh, uh, Madam Secretary, Chris Nelson with the Nelson Report. Um, Mike's very first point was to stress uh, how pleased he was to hear in your speech uh, focus on uh, uh, the increasing cooperation with South Korea. Uh, and that is the basis of my, I've had two questions for you. Uh, the first, uh, in your speech, you uh, strongly endorsed American FON, Freedom of Navigation Activities. So my question regarding uh, Japan-Korea cooperation is, given the importance of maritime for both of your nations, do you see space for joint or at least complementary Korean and Japanese Navy uh, uh, FON activity in the South China Sea and over uh, through the states of Malacca? Uh, and uh, do you plan to discuss something like that with the Secretary Carter? Uh, first question. Second question, uh, more directly uh, on uh, the ROK Japan Corporation, uh, on the basis of the Prime Minister's policies. Uh, you are, of course, aware of concerns over your stated positions, including books, on various difficult history questions, especially but not limited to the Comfort Women Agreement of December 28th. My question, what steps do you plan to reassure both Washington and Seoul that you will continue to support the Prime Minister's policies toward the Republic of Korea? Thank you very much. ま、あの、今、公園の中でも申し上げましたように、え、もちろん、あの、歴史認識の問題で、え、私もいろいろと発言をしてきたこともあります。ただ、それは、ま、客観的な事実が何であるかということを、やはり、え、聞かなく話し
just as I mentioned in my speech, uh, regarding uh, historical uh, perspectives on history, uh, I be my belief is that uh, we need to look uh, from an objective point of view and see what were the facts, and that we should share uh, those views in a very honest uh, manner. Now, uh, Korea and Japan, uh, we do have difficult issues, uh, uh, for example, uh, comfort uh, women uh, issues. But uh, late last year, uh, we uh, had reached a very historical agreement uh, with South Korea, and that Japan has already delivered uh, its promise that we had uh, with them. Uh, now, we, uh, Japan and Korea, also uh, share uh, a common threat, uh, namely a North Korean uh, threat from North Korea. Uh, and uh, we do have shared uh, value and uh, shared interest uh, that we, we must uh, protect. Uh, and I believe that South Korea is a very important uh, neighboring nation for us. Now, uh, in uh, for the uh, peace and stability in uh, East uh, Asia uh, and Pacific region, I believe that the relationship with, a cooperative relationship with uh, Korea and Japan is quite important. Now, North Korea uh, has already conducted uh, two nuclear uh, testing uh, and recently, and um, therefore, right after the nuclear testing, I have spoke on the phone uh, with Han Ming, uh, Secretary of Defense in uh, South Korea, uh, and uh, we have uh, already confirmed uh, our uh, really um, uh, agreement uh, uh, towards uh, dealing with the North Korean issue. Uh, therefore, I, my belief is uh, that uh, Japan and South Korea do have a very uh, forward-looking relationship. May I ask um, how that discussion is going with China's defense minister? Mm. Um, you said in the speech um, you're ready for uh, dialogue and uh, confidence building with China. Um, do you have any signal that your counterpart in Beijing is ready to engage in discussion the way the Korean defense minister did? Mm. あの、私はいつでもドアはオープンです。いつでもお話をしたいというふうに思ってます。あの、声の中で触れましたようにまだ機会はないんですけれども、機会を見つけてできるだけ前向きな話をしたいと思ってますし、先ほど申し上げました
bodies to have good uh, communication mechanism. Uh, so um, this is something that has uh, already been going, and I believe that they had a really uh, pleasant talk regarding that. And then this is something that Ministry of Defense, as Ministry of Defense, would like to support. In addition to your official channels with Beijing, uh, CSIS has a very large following for our webcasts in China, so I hope your message is reinforced with this speech today. Um, I think we have time for one more. Um, yes, in the, I haven't gone over here. John San with CTI TV of Taiwan. Uh, Madam Minister, um, how do you see the uh, situation across the Taiwan Strait now? We have a uh, code piece. Um, does your ministry um, make any contingency uh, plans uh, if the situation in the um, Taiwan Strait worsens? Thank you.台湾有事というよりも、ま、台湾は本当にずっと歴史的にも非常にいい関係、そして東アジア、あの、東日本の大震災の時でも非常に心を寄せてくれて大変感謝しております。で、ま、台湾有事というよりも東シナ海、南シ
you are Japan's second woman to become defense minister, so you are way ahead of us. <laughs> um, and we thank you and wish you a great meeting at the Pentagon. Thank you. Thank you.